0: At progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. It was a background chatter of my early childhood. My parents would say things like, when we get the farm, when we move to the farm, we might need that someday on the farm. And like other things moms and pops say I don't really pay to me, never mind I'm playing with my trucks And riding my bike in Detroit, Michigan My whole concept Of what a farm might be Comes from cereal commercials Looney Tunes cartoons So you can imagine My surprise and my shock When one day My parents packed my brother and I Into a car And drive us over to our farm. And we're looking around like, what? What? And my pops is proud, beaming. That's right, boys. 88 acres. As far as I can see, this is our farm. Just like they said, just like they promised. Well, kind of. I'm not one to contradict my parents with them being a, Spare the rod, spoil the child type of folk. But this might have been our land. Might have been the bank's land or whoever's land, but like the cartoons had told me, a farm, this was not. Farms need barns and tractors and talking roosters and trucks and such. Not just a bunch of Michigan swampland. And maybe, maybe it was my expression, but I think you may have sensed my inability to envision the full picture. Don't worry, boys. Don't worry. See, anything worth having is worth working for. And I didn't know it then. But I know now that these words, they they were a prediction, a vision, a sentence spent battling that swamp, trying to tame it into producing food. Hard work. Lord! The sweat, the heat, the pain, the plow, the rain, the cold. If you see a farmer, Snappers, hug a farmer. Kiss that farmer. But more importantly, kiss that farm boy. Squeeze him in your arms. Let him know you understand, even though you most certainly do not understand. Today on Snap Judgment... From WNYC Studios, we proudly present The Promised Land. Amazing stories from real people tied to real places. My name is Glenn Washington. Always remember, the cartoon version leaves out some very important stuff when you're listening to Snap Judgment. Now then, on today's episode, we're headed into some pretty rough spots with so many good stories. This one starts out in a quiet town in the middle of a winter night during a very big storm. Snap Judgment.
1: And it was uh, snowing. It was snowing? It was snowing.
2: It's unusual for it to snow at all in the Palestinian town of Beit Sahor, and that night... As two trucks filled with cattle pulled up steep winding hills through the rain and snow, their wheels began to spin.
1: The the trucks couldn't go up.
2: It was 8 o'clock and pitch dark when the trucks skidded to a full stop. Jalal Khumsia stepped out into the storm and some 25 boys ran up to the trucks. They had been waiting for Jalal to arrive with the cows all day. As Jalal slowly opened the back gate of the trucks, the cows leapt.
1: The cows ran away. (laughs) Almost all of them.
2: There were 18 of them. Jalal was in charge of getting them to his cousin's teeny plot of land on top of a hill.
1: (laughs) So some people (laughs) tried to catch the cows from their tails. (laughs) From the tails. It was very funny. Very, very funny, really. All the time we were... Uh, sometimes <laughs> uh, uh, laughing, sometimes weeping. and <laughs> <sometimes, laughs> you know, it was a mess, a, 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 a complete mess. Yeah, and he, I put my <laughs> on my heart. I was really afraid. Uh, we wanted them to be safe, you know, to bring them safe back.
2: And why was that?
1: our uh, yani, our aim and our hope and uh, will be collapsed, yani, yeah? so it was...
2: Jalal is saying that the aim and hope of his people rested in the fate of these cows. eighteen cows running through the dark, icy streets of a small Palestinian town. eighteen cows that sort of became legendary. Beit Sahourians talk about the cows as if they were heroes, in a dairy-based revolution. I needed so much more information.
1: Sheena, Sheena, Yes. Shena. Yes.
2: That's why I came here, to Beit Sahour, to Jalal's house some 30 years later, to hear the full story.
1: that time. I was wearing one like this also. <laughs>
2: it's like a canvas long jacket. We're in the sitting room, decorated with velvet floral upholstery, crystal ashtrays, and framed paintings of the Virgin Mary. Jalal, like most of Beit Sahour, is Christian, which is not what we tend to think about when we think of a Palestinian town. But still, Beit Sahourians, like other Palestinians, live under occupation. Jalal told me that the Cal Project began when many Palestinians were looking for ways to be more independent from Israeli rule.
1: That was the real beginning of it. It was time where we felt that we have start our uh, battle for, for our freedom and independence.
2: It was the mid-80s. Jalal started hearing whispers around Beit Sahour. Palestinian people all over were coming up with plans, creative ways to take the tasks of their daily routines back under their own control for self-sufficiency. Teachers gathered students in underground classrooms. Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians stopped paying taxes. And Jalal helped townspeople plant vegetables in their backyards so they wouldn't have to buy things like cucumbers and eggplants from Israelis. It was the start of the first Palestinian uprising, or intifada. And this was how Jalal, a middle school teacher, who had never in his life milked a cow, ended up bringing 18 pregnant heifers to Beit Sahour.
1: Because we didn't want to buy the Israeli... Milk. Uh, the decision was taken as a step, a step forward to the future, to build the Palestinian state
2: Overnight, a new kind of excitement spread across town. People gave 10, 15, 50 shekels to Jalal for the cows. Nearly everyone wanted a hand in the project.
1: Although it's an adventure and it is high risk.
2: No one, including Jalal, really knew exactly how high risk this would turn out to be for the people of Beit Sahor. At first, they were just excited for the challenge. They didn't even know where to find cows, no less how to milk them. To be clear, this is not a farm town. No one was milking cows in their back barn every morning. This was a town of doctors, lawyers, intellectuals.
1: Uh, It was something for us It was very strange. We really didn't know exactly what to do.
2: But Jalal knew Israelis who did. Because at the time, there was no wall separating Palestinians from Israelis. They did business together, had friendships. In fact, Jewish Israelis would come to Beit Sahor by the busload to help Palestinians garden and harvest food. So when Jalal needed help finding cows, he and two other members of his agriculture committee went to their Israeli friend for help. They all went hopping from one Israeli kibbutz to the next, together, buying up cows for their project.
1: We wanted the the, the cows to be, all of them, pregnant. Oh. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, this is uh, the idea. So they can deliver uh, babies, and uh, so the, the farm will be bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> Once they got the pregnant heifers on the farm, they began to milk them and deliver bottles of fresh, sweet milk to the townspeople.
1: Mm-hmm. Every day we're receiving uh, many people from the town coming to see the cows.
2: Families planned picnics at the farm. Parents lined up their kids for photos with the cows, like they were circus elephants or something.
1: Everything well everybody was very
2: happy. Not only were the cows producing milk, but then came even better news. <laughs>
1: And the news spread in a whole like lightning. Uh, so many people went there. They wanted to watch the the cow delivering the first baby in the in the in the farm.
2: While hundreds of townspeople gathered, Jalal paced back and forth. He didn't talk to anyone. He was focused only on the cow.
1: I really like a, a father who is watching uh, his wife delivering their first baby. Exactly like that. It was screaming. There was pain, of course. And when the baby came, you know, like like a wedding, you know, like a wedding party became there. uh, Everybody shouting, everybody singing, everybody. And it was a joy, uh, a great joy. We put some blankets on the baby so as to keep it warm. <laughs> but you know, and it's very amazing that the baby quickly stood up and uh, started uh, jumping. And uh, honey, these cows became for the Pechoria people as heroes. <laughs>
2: And a tiny, slimy, baby calf became a promise. A promise that the dairy would grow and grow into a shining example of Palestinian self-sufficiency. Palestinian independence. Jalal and the Ag Committee were so committed to the growth of the dairy farm that they sent two boys from Beit Sahour all the way to Indiana to study bovine in vitro fertilization. Whose idea was that? I don't know. Do you know about it? Do you know about the, like, who came to do it and how it worked?
1: No, no, no.
2: No? No. You don't know whose idea it was? Mm. (laughs) Jalal lights a cigarette, and suddenly, he's not smiling anymore. It's kind of weird to talk about.
1: Huh?
2: It's weird to talk about the artificial insemination of cows. At the time, I thought he was maybe hesitating because I was talking about sex stuff. But then he almost turned on me, like he was mad at me for trying to poke a hole in his legend.
1: I wanted to ask you something, what what exactly are you doing?
2: Or maybe he was cagey because his cow project really did put him and the people of Beit Sahor in danger.
0: What happens next? What happens next? Find out after you understand that if you want to get behind the Snap, find the backstory of Snap storytelling and meet the storytellers themselves, join Snap Nation snapjudgment.org. Connect with other Snappers worldwide. Get storytelling tips, Snap music, ringtones, exclusive content, never-before-aired stories and performances only available through Snap Nation at snapjudgment.org. We return to Snap Judgment, the promised land. But Snap Judgment continues in just a moment. Support for Snap Judgment comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the promised land, where... In a small Palestinian village, the desire for fresh milk has just turned dangerous.
2: Days after the birth of the first calf, Israeli soldiers showed up at the farm unannounced.
1: Every cow has, they took a photo for every cow, in addition to photos for the farm and the place. Every cow has the number on the body of the cow
2: To be clear, nothing about the dairy farm was illegal. But the idea it represented, the idea of self-reliance, was threatening. When soldiers showed up at the dairy farm, they asked Jalal.
1: What are you doing? We bought cows and we want to raise the cows. That's it. Uh, He said, no, 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 no. I am telling you, these cows, that's that's the exact words, the exact words. These cows are dangerous for the security of the state of Israel. And I was really astonished. And I said, what are you saying? These cows are dangerous for the security of the state of Israel? Are you mad? He said, I'm giving you a military order for you. You are forbidden to go to that place. And if I know that you went there even for a minute, you will be arrested. He said, you have three days. I'll give you only three days. Okay, we met with other people and started discussing the thing and we decided not to wait for three days. Mm-hmm. We decided to take the cows. We were afraid that this man will will do and kill the cows or do something.
2: Jalal didn't want to go to prison and he didn't want the Israeli soldiers to slaughter the cows they had worked so hard to get. So that night, Jalal again, gathered the young boys of Beit Sahour. This time, he says about 50 showed up.
1: We asked the, the young people again, we want to take the cows out and you have to help us.
2: In the middle of the night, Jalal and the boys started walking.
1: And the cows collaborated, you know, not a single uh, voice, uh, uh, silently.
2: The cows were walking. The cows <laughs> didn't make any noise. They collaborated
1: with us, so as <laughs> not to be discovered.
2: They went to the butcher's house on a hill on the outskirts of town, and asked the butcher and his wife Virginie, "Did they have room for nineteen cows?"
3: And this is very nice. This cow bring in the night in the filal in the night. Bring for me here the cows, the cows, all the cows. The cows. In uh, one in the night, in One a.m. One uh-huh. a.m. No, we we wait the cow to come.
2: What were you feeling? One a.m. You must have been very tired.
3: No, what no, nothing. Sweating? I am very happy. <laughs> Because (laughs) I will make milk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jalal drew up a quick contract to sell the cows to Virginie and her husband. That way, if the soldiers discovered the cows at their place, Virginie could say she bought the cows for her butchery. We have a store of meat, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I am very
3: happy. Yeah. I am very happy yeah. because I help, you know what I mean, for my city, yeah. the, the people of my city and neighbors and uh, you know and friends. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I am very happy.
2: And so how many cows did you have at your house? 20,
3: 20 cows. I will go out there and... Mm.
2: You would go and Yes, they
3: get very good. I love them very much. Come, Come. Where's the cow? Here. You're
2: showing me where you get the cow. Yes, yes, this. Virginie walks me out to the barn, where she still keeps animals. Sheep, cows to be slaughtered for meat. She's in her 80s now, smoking a cigarette and wearing fuzzy pink PJs with Bugs Bunny embroidered on the shirt. It's nine in the morning. When we go inside she puts a plate of chicken livers in front of me and offers me whiskey. Drink this and eat this. I decline both.
3: What's wrong?
2: So instead, she cuts up a plate of pickles and pours me a full glass of red wine. This is good. So before I met you, I met Abu Hanna, your husband, and he said you were stronger than Yasser Arafat. <laughs> so I'm strong. I don't, uh, the house is sort of out of the way of the main city, up a hill. I could see how it was the perfect place to hide cows and milk them in secret. And She's making milking gestures with her hands.
3: Easy. Never. No.
2: Easy. The morning after they moved the cows, Israeli soldiers showed up at Jalal's barn again. Of course, it was empty. So they started a full-blown search for the cows.
1: A searching campaign, you can't, you don't believe it. Hundreds, hundreds of soldiers, hundreds of soldiers.
2: Hundreds of soldiers just for the cows? Two
1: helicopters.
2: Two helicopters.
1: Two helicopters.
2: Only for the cows.
1: Hundreds of soldiers.
2: Only to look for the cows? There was nothing else?
1: Looking for the cows and carrying the photos of the cows. Asking people, did you see this cow? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen this cow?
2: When the soldier knocks on the door and says, have you seen this cow? How do people react to that?
1: Uh, Laughing at them. (laughs) Joking at the soldiers all the time. Anyhow, did uh, they ask
2: you? Did they question you about it? No. No.
1: Why not? Uh, Why not? Mm -hmm. They arrested me.
2: Jalal says he was detained by the Israelis without trial, without an investigation. He was there for two months. That was during the search campaign for the cows. Yes. Were you worried about the cows?
1: Yes, of course, all the time. All the time.
2: Did you know what was happening with the cows? No. So I asked Virginie. After the soldiers arrested Jalal, Virginie says she milked the cows in peace. Until one day, she was drinking coffee and heard a loud. <laughs> soldiers were outside her house. She's saying they were wearing guns across their shoulders, dressed in military uniforms. The soldiers asked to come inside.
3: And we come here. Oh, this is the cow. (laughs) No, this is my, my cow. What do you want? This is our cow. No, this is my cow.
2: Go. The soldiers found the 19 cows in Virginie's barn, but the barn was locked. Virginie waved the key to the barn in their faces, and then dropped it inside her bra.
3: I I said, Gartin Bob, shut the door in the key and put it here. Uh, You can't uh, can't go to the cow antique. This is mine. This is mine. I love it. This is mine. How did you feel when you were talking to the Israelis? No, nothing. Nothing. No, no. I am strong when I say, because not like this. Now I am afraid. If the, if the soldier come here, I am afraid. Yeah. They, they kill in the, in the street, they kill the men and the women. But, but in the past, I can't afraid from them.
2: The soldiers arrested Virginie's husband, but she says she didn't care. They said they'd be back for the cows. And the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, the soldiers came back in their jeeps to Virginie's house. And every day she'd tell them to leave and promise them that the cows were for meat, that soon she would butcher all 19 of the cows. In the meantime, Virginie continued to milk the cows for the people of Beit She was fearless.
3: And go to the house. You want milk? You want
2: milk? Yes. Some nights, the military put Beit under curfew. They wanted to discourage all intifada activities the vegetable picking, milk delivering, the organizing. But even when the town was under curfew, while Israeli soldiers paced the streets with guns to make sure everyone stayed inside, Virginie packed bottles to be distributed to the families of Beit Sahor. In the middle of the night, young boys would sneak from house to house to deliver milk to families.
3: Give me one, give me two litter, give me three liter, yeah, take. How one kilo? Yes, take. Two
4: kilo I broke the curfew because I was stupid. I cannot tell why. I thought it's, it's an action that I can do myself.
2: Dr. Majid Nasser delivered the milk in his car. He says because he was a doctor, he was the only one in Beit Sahur who dared to drive a car during curfew.
4: Uh-huh. People of Beit Sahour, you have now curfew uh, until further notice.
2: Dr. Majid started stacking milk bottles in his back seat.
4: Between the seat and where, where the legs are, I put some blankets on it. Often I met soldiers. Often when I drive on the street, then suddenly I can see there's someone waving for me to stop. And I stop, and then immediately... Uh, soldiers from the left and the right they come to the car and uh, once they tell me to open the window then immediately the, bar- the gun was showing inside and then they were asking me questions. I was afraid, my heart was beating and maybe my hands were uh, wet. Um, but no, I went, the questions and answers were, uh, my answers were adequate.
2: The soldiers asked him questions. He gave them answers. He thought the soldiers would pull him out of the car, but then they waved him through. He drove through the hills of Beit Sahor in the silence of a city-wide curfew, to deliver milk.
4: Yeah, I knocked at the door, not not very loud. It's curfew. And they opened, and once they saw me, they were uh, astonished, to see, because I'm known in the city. And then I said, uh, I have milk for you. And then they suddenly the surprise went into a big smile. And then, come in, come in, let's have coffee. And every house wanted to have coffee. And it was so difficult to tell them, no, I don't want to have coffee. I mean, I had coffee. (laughs) You cannot have 20 times (laughs) coffee.
2: It's fresh milk.
4: And once it's boiled, it has a very thick uh, cream on top of it. We usually eat it. It's rich in cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, we just scrap it with the spoon, put it on a plate like this one, add sugar to it, and then...
2: Dr. Majid was lucky. He never got caught but the soldiers still wanted those cows so virginie says she and her husband had no choice
3: <laughs> and we put it the sul habel rope rope in the iron here and
2: virginie told me that she and her husband butchered all 19 of those cows
3: and the the cow she filled the, the round and the floor, the floor uh, f- for one minute. They come here and, and kill it. Did you eat the lakma? No, they no, 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 I can't eat. They no. my yes, yes, like my boy, yes, and friendly. i very sad.
2: Virginie says the cows were like her children. As she runs her hand across her throat, motioning a slaughter gesture.
3: Ferry said, where'd they go to, to kill them? No milk!
1: No, no. We, we didn't butcher the cows.
2: You didn't butcher the cows?
1: No. What did they tell you?
2: So, Virginie says she killed the cows and sold the meat. The
1: no, no, no. Uh, uh, the- Virginie didn't tell you that was. Okay, what happened? Uh, <laughs> maybe she was afraid... Of, uh, of saying that uh, because we are still under occupation, you know? We are still now under occupation. And, and ma- maybe she didn't trust you enough.
3: Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe she didn't trust you enough.
2: Because they're still under the boot of occupation. And while this is supposed to be a story about fighting back, The fight, kind of lost. So the story is still told under the watchful eye of Israeli soldiers. Jalal says Virginie didn't tell me the truth because she didn't know who I was or who I might tell this story to. Even though she wanted me to know how strong she was, how she stood up to the soldiers, she also didn't want to get in trouble. The real truth, Jalal says, is that he and the Agriculture Committee moved the cows away from Virginie's house. He knew the soldiers were harassing Virginie and her family every day.
1: We felt sorry for them, really. I mean, we felt very sorry for them and uh, decided to move the cows, to, to give them some peace, to give them a break. The cows went from Virginia to to Bethlehem and then to uh, Siham.
2: So as the cows are being moved from place to place all over Sahur to Bethlehem and back, Beit Zahor, it's there's hills, it's do you think like what do you think they were thinking?
1: As any uh, human being when you Kick him from a place to a place to a place. Eh? Exactly like the Palestinian people. Exactly, kicking them out of from one place to another place. To another, exactly, that the same thing. It's just sad, really sad.
2: I went back to Dr. Majid because I was still confused about how this story ended, the real story. I talked to Salim, and he says the cows went from Virginie's to Siham's house. And so I, I'm still confused about the, the ending of the story. And uh,
4: I don't think we, it's, if you want to go into details of the real story, I don't think you will find uh, conclusive, uniform information. Why it, not? Because of the result, there is a lot of uh, dismay, there is a lot of anger, there is a lot of dissatisfaction, Uh, there is a lot of disappointment, uh, both from anger vis-à-vis the Israeli side, disappointment vis-à-vis the Palestinian Authority side. So it's very uh, normal that people are hoping for something better than the shit situation like now. That's the natural things of humans, that they're always hopeful. And to see the Israelis running after small children looking for cows, and we dramatize it by saying they were, used helicopters and... Did they actually... No, 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 They didn't also, they didn't go to the streets and say, have you seen that cow? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's our fantasy. In case of our cows... It's 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 a it's a real story. Things happened. Yeah. Okay, they didn't make a search with the helicopters, but they searched for the cows. Yeah. They didn't go in the streets saying, "Have you seen that cow?" But they searched for the cows. So the milk was distributed during curfew by me. So it's a real real thing happening.
2: Dr. Majid is right. I ended up interviewing about ten people. And did find out what seems to be the whole story. After the cows were taken from Virginie's house, they went to Bethlehem. And then to a woman named Siham. Siham took care of the cows for three and a half years. Until the spirit of the first intifada was crushed with negotiations, deals. And Beit Sahorians went back to Israeli milk. Back to mere dreams of independence.
1: That, that with the solar panels. The one after, it's with the red uh, I k-
4: kermid, uh, block.
2: Yeah, yeah, I made right. my way to okay. Siham's house. She was the last person to care for the cows. Okay, and then when I exit, I go left, right, right. I knock on Siham's front gate for about five minutes until she opens the door. Hi, sorry to just show at your house. We sit on wide couches and Siham offers me tea. Uh, sit. okay. She's saying that the work was sweet with the cows. It was sweet because she expected something else to happen. She expected that there would be a country.
3: To
2: be frank, she says, she and her husband were the ones that decided to end the project. It was that they only had a few cows left. They grew old and stopped being able to produce.
1: I I, I feel very very sad, especially for these cows. I, mean, I they became as a part of, uh, of of our family. I mean, I mean, part of our life. It is a sad story, really. Because when, I, when we started the whole thing, I had some dreams that, uh, that this will, project will uh, succeed and, uh, and become bigger and bigger. And, but uh, what shall we do? That's our life.
2: After all these interviews, I called Virginie over the phone to ask once more, what really happened? She told me I had already asked enough questions. Why am I asking the same thing over and over? I sensed that she was upset. It seemed like we were having some sort of communication issues on the phone. So I went back to her house the next morning. When I walked into her kitchen, I smiled, but she didn't smile back. I left my mic in the bag and sat down at her kitchen table. Then I heard her say to her granddaughter in Arabic that she thought I was maybe part of the occupation forces and something about soldiers. Her granddaughter waved her hands in the air, motioning Virginie to stop talking. I also frantically waved my hands in the air. When Virginie saw that I understood what she said, she was embarrassed. Her granddaughter was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. We all apologized and laughed, and Virginie made coffee and offered me jars of homemade cheese soaked in olive oil. You take one. <laughs> she held my hand for the next hour.
3: Take your <laughs> coffee. Welcome for you, Thank you. for my house. Thank you. All the time come for my house. Not uh, asking. <laughs> uh, visit, you, visit, <laughs> visit, 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 yeah. visit me. Inshallah. Inshallah. Meet Ahla
2: <laughs> Still, she wouldn't tell me anything else except that she and her husband killed every last cow in their backyard.
3: I tell her, we cut it and cut one 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 to end. We kill all the cow. I am crying because they good. They, they make milk. I am very sad, very sad. <laughs>
0: the first intifada. Dalal got a job at the Paradise Hotel in Bethlehem, which he lost when the hotel caught on fire and burned down during a gun battle about 10 years later in the second intifada. Siham's husband died of heart problems after the cows left. She says the whole thing really stressed him out. Dr. Majid, he builds wooden furniture in his spare time. And Virginie is still a butcher's wife. She recently opened a clothing store for women Near her store of meat. Today, there are a handful of Palestinian dairy brands, Al and Al Jabrini, just to name a few. Special thanks to Amr Shomali and Paul Cohen. They directed the film The Wanted 18, where we first heard this dairy tale. That original score for that story was done by Leon Morimoto. The story was produced by Shayna Shealy. Snap in the middle of the desert, in the middle of northern South Africa, you can come across a puddle of water. And at the bottom of this puddle, there's a slot. And this slot is the entrance to the third largest freshwater cave in all the world. And here is where our adventure begins. If you're the type that has to know what happens next, that needs stories that matter in your life, get the Snap Judgment podcast to go behind the story. To go behind the snap, you gotta join the nation. Snap Nation. Get the Snap Judgment Jen Culver Comedy Hour. Download it right now. Snap Judgment's queen of comedy. See, never before broadcast material. You can laugh yourself silly. Wear the snap pen so the world knows you, Snap. Exclusive material. Join Snap Nation at snapjudgment.org. Snap was produced by the team that has already arrived to the promised land. Give it up for the uber producer, Soul brother number one, Mr. Mark Ristich. King of rock, Happy City Miller. Anna, Tiny Dancer Sussman. Shayna, the boss, Sheely. Queen B, Elijah Smith. Renzo, the king of country, Gorio, Mr. Big, Leon Morimoto. Nancy, High Priestess, Lopez, Liz, Can-Do, Matt. The D's of the beat, Slayer, Egan. Tao, Puff Daddy, decott And Jasmine, the barefoot diva, Aguilera. And even though this is not the news, no way is this news. In fact, you could wake in the dark of night, run out to the barn, terrified that you forgot to do your chores, only to realize there isn't any barn. There are no cows, no chickens, because you now live in a city and you produce a radio show. Even then, you would still, still, not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.